The Edoras theme is as best as I could do it. Everybody, welcome back. This is TC. It's Take 107. Uh, thanks for coming along to Middle Earth with us. And this is our segment of Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, uh, the second installment, part two, the middle, uh, until we get to the finale. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some movie news. Someone has a Sir Michael Caine award. Kamiko is going to give us, shed some light on that. I said Kamiko. I mean Keeks. What in the world? <laughs> that is your name also. Uh, we're going to also follow up to some quiz questions. I Man, it's fun curating the quiz for Lord of the Rings. There's a lot, a lot of information that Tolkien gave us. So we're going to follow up to that. And then we're going to get right into the Two Towers review and going to give you guys some movie morsels, our thoughts on Lord of the Rings of Two Towers, and so forth. So without further ado, Keeks, what news from the mark? How are you? Uh, oh, I was uh, good. It's 9.50 in the morning on a Saturday. Uh, I was telling TC when I woke up, well, when my alarm was going off, because I never set an alarm on the weekends, um, I, I, it kind of freaked me out because I was like, what the frick do I have today? What do I have? Like, what is, clearly I set an alarm for something, and then uh, it's uh, it's the pod. That's why, is, that's why I got to get up early. It is the pod. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Saturday, I feel like if Saturdays, if you have nothing going on, Kamiko and I talked about this yesterday, um, sleep in a little bit. I, I'm more, I like, there's times when I do like to sleep in. But if I can get up before 10 on a Saturday, definitely that's great. Yeah, well, and I was telling you too, I think like naturally I'm up, yeah, like right around 9, 9.30, mainly because uh, my brain is automatically wired to be up before 9 because of sneaker drops. Uh, mm. I, I don't know why because I never win. I have won a few times though. I've gotten some pretty good like – I've gotten some pretty good stuff from the sneakers app, but to be honest, like it's, it pales in comparison to other people that I know that just win all the time manually, and I have no idea how. Have you ever tried the sneakers app? Have you ever tried to get anything? I have never really tried to get anything. I probably should because I like mm. <laughs> I like a good sneakers. <laughs> you might not have to worry. You might not have to worry about it. Um, it is. I I just feel like a fool every week. Mm. I've got my face ID turned on. I've got all my info saved. Like, it literally takes me three seconds to do it as soon as 9 o'clock hits. I normally set my alarm for, like, 8.55 so I can kind of be awake and conscious of what's going on. But, uh, no, no luck. I've, I've, got, I've won six things from the sneakers drop. Pretty good releases, too. That's but, not uh, bad. Yeah, it just still sucks. Do they do one weekly? Do they do a weekly release? No, they, they, it just depends. Like they've okay. got a few that'll come out every day. They'll go a few days without any. Um, Today was um, uh, Japan Air Jordan High. Yesterday were the Sakai Waffles two 2.0s and a pair of Nike Dunk Highs. Mm. So it just depends. Okay. It's uh, it's heartbreaking though, to say the least. Any of you sweets that know about the sneakers app should automatically know about heartbreak because that's just all it is. I remember I tried to get the, it was Air Max Day, and that was the one time I did use the sneakers, and I didn't get the the red and white, or the blue and white sneakers. Oh, Air you didn't get the OGs. The OGs, those ones are so, so clean. If I had to you have a, a pair of red and white ones, though, don't you? Oh, but they're like, they're like fly knit. 
Yeah, the the black and white one. Yeah, those ones are old. I got those. Oh, they're black and white. That's right. They're nice. They look like Oreos. That's why I like them a lot. Hey, I've got like kind of well, mine are mine are mainly black. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, so yeah, yours love, are very Oreo. Love a good sneak. While we're on the subject of morning, I used to get up really early to go to the to the gym. Good times. Oh, I think I remember that because yeah. I would kind of get up to go early to the gym in the mornings. Now, now I get up at seven, but I also. Um, I love those people that are that kind of have that little slight weird flex, like yeah, I get up at this time. <laughs> I get up at four thirty to go. To yeah, the gym. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, cool. You know, you do you. Yeah, uh, yeah so that, that's normally when we're sending our good morning texts is right around seven seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> so those <laughs> sweets that are up and at them early, salute to you. Keep yes. it up. Stay on the schedule. Stay on the routine. Uh, so we have some movie news. Um, Sir Michael Caine. We have a couple. One yeah. of them I think is really big, and we'll try to talk about it as well as we can. But um, the Michael Bay, the Sir Michael Bay, Michael Caine, Chase the Bag Award. I love this goes award. Goes to Jake Gyllenhaal for signing on for a new Michael Bay film called Ambulance. Uh, I don't know how much, but if it's a Michael Bay film, I know Ryan Reynolds got like like ten plus million to be in that crappy Six Underground movie. Wow. So I can only imagine Jake Gyllenhaal's pulling in at least that. Wow. Jake Gyllenhaal is elite when it comes to acting. He might be my favorite actor. Oh, yeah. TC, do you have a favorite? Actor? Yeah. Uh, I really actually do like Ryan Reynolds, but he's kind of typecasted as Deadpool in each movie. <laughs> That's like Six Underground. He's basically Deadpool. I do like, I do like uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's a great choice too. I do like Ryan I love Gosling. Mads Mickelson as well. Mm. Which kind of kind of ish actually leads us into our next piece of news. But um shouts out to Jake Gyllenhaal. Go get the Go bag. Go get the bag, baby. You're Chase in great it. little movies. Get oh. some money occasionally. Oh, fun movie more so while we're on that subject. Uh Jake Gyllenhaal actually auditioned for the role of Elijah Wood. Oh, really? Yeah. That is that would have been weird. Oh, yeah. Really, really weird. Because I think back to, have you seen Prince of Persia, the movie that he's in? Yeah. Uh, I never got to that. I remember being in high school when it was released, and I never played the game. But I was so antsy to go watch the movie that I just never got to it. I feel like I really missed out. You uh, missed out on absolutely nothing. Okay. I will say that. Because um, I, 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 I loved the video game. I played it on Xbox with my cousin. And the game is sweet. And then I had like another version of it for the Xbox 360, and it was super fun. But um, uh, he has an English accent. It's not very good because mm. it's clearly Jake Gyllenhaal trying to do an English accent. And I can just imagine him as Frodo. It would be very jarring. Frodo – or like Elijah Wood just makes a great like little guy, hobbit. Very innocent, but also like very brave feeling guy. Yeah, yeah. No, Elijah, Elijah Wood. I mean, uh, Peter Jackson said like we Elijah Wood. We needed to cast Frodo really well because if Frodo doesn't work out, a lot of the other castings don't work out either. So, well said, Peter. Yes, couldn't have said it better ourselves. I, I do think that like Elijah Wood is in that elite group of actors that were in like huge tentpole movies, and now they just do whatever they want. Yep. Like. Um, Robert Pattinson, who now is going back into another tentpole franchise, and then Daniel Radcliffe, who's just in weird movies all the time. Yep, yep. And that's it. Get the bag. Got to do it. So, um, Mads Mikkelsen. So this one, you know, we were talking about this one last night. So, <laughs> we did you ever see the second Fantastic Beasts? Nope, I haven't even seen the first one. Okay, so. 
Um, Mads Mikkelsen will be replacing Johnny Depp as the main villain, Gellert Grindelwald, in Fantastic Beast 3. To set the stage, for any of you who haven't seen the first two Fantastic Beast movies, the first one is fine. It's like a C minus C grade movie. The second one is horrible. It's a tra- it's like a D minus D movie. It's so bad. And to be honest, with Johnny Depp being replaced, Johnny Depp is also for many of you that don't know, we we were debating on whether to talk about this and we'll we'll just explain the situation. Johnny Depp right now is going through a domestic abuse/like marriage like divorce trial right now with his ex-wife Amber Heard and there there's pretty solid evidence that both sides were not very good to each other so Johnny Depp is in some pretty like hot water right now as is Amber Heard so WB is taking Johnny Depp off of Fantastic Beasts as Gellert Grindelwald and Mads Mikkelsen is replacing him and I'm gonna be totally honest with you this makes me way more hyped to see Fantastic Beasts 3. And actually, like, with him coming in, I would tell everyone, like, maybe watch the first two because Mads Mikkelsen, he just makes a great-looking villain. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good kind of fill-in substitute for that. I don't know how good Johnny Depp is. Why is uh, Fantastic Beasts so bad? The second one. So... Is it the pacing? It's the pacing in the story. There's so many like red herrings, quote unquote, red herrings that like one gets resolved and then another one like starts. And then five minutes later, that one's resolved. The character motivation is very muggy. And the movie is called The Crimes of Grindelwald. And he commits like one crime. It should just be the crime of Grindelwald. Mm. It's it's really it's a mess. And I think the biggest reason it's a mess is because J.K. Rowling has been writing the screenplays and she's not a screenwriter at all. Yeah. Like, she's very much, let me write 100 pages about Hogwarts at Christmas. And that's fine, because it's a freaking book. Like, you don't need, you know, like, obviously, you need, you need like, the, the editing and the pacing to be well in your book. But, like, you don't have a, maybe 120, 150 pages to work with. You have five to 700. Yeah. And I don't think she's writing the third one, which is Great, because, yeah, she's just not a screenwriter. It's not her fault. You know, she writes fun books. But, um, yeah, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. I think it's a really awesome casting choice, not to mention the first movie. Grindelwald is played by Colin Farrell the whole time, except for at the end it's revealed that it's actually Johnny Depp, which is super weird. I don't know why they changed it. And then, yeah. So that, so, was, that was another red herring right there? Well, that's the first one. It's not even a red herring. It's just like, oh, he was he had a apologist potion the whole time. Oh, mm. oh, let's let's trick him up. Let's let's flip him around. You know, it's not that. It's it's not really a red herring. It's just like a reveal kind mm. of. I didn't feel like I'm really bad at guessing. You know. Yeah. Do you, see, do you find that you're good at guessing twists and turns or like guessing red herring? Uh, I think I'm a hit and miss. Like sometimes I'll really hit it on the head and be like, yeah, I got that. And then other times I'm like, whoo, wow, I was. And another, I was in another zip code for that. <laughs> so. I was in another, you were in postal codes in the UK. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I've hit and miss. Like sometimes I can see it coming, and then sometimes I'm like, oh wow, that was actually good. I love when I when I totally guess wrong. I'm like, that got me. Like, kudos, kudos oh, to the writers there for that. I will say the one that I remember like being really proud of myself and guessing is the village. Have you seen the village? Long time ago. Long okay, time so, ago. 
I essentially guessed the twist within the first five minutes. I leaned over my mom and I said, it's this. I'm not going to say it because actually I think it's a pretty fun movie. Well, it's been 15 years. So essentially I leaned over and I told my mom, I'm like, you know, I bet they live in some weird compound and like the outside world is normal. And that's how it was. Mm -hmm. I was super impressed with myself as a 10 year old or whatever year old boy. M. Night Shyamalan. village with my mom. Hmm? M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Very hit or miss. We're talking hit or miss. That's, yeah. I mean, he's the that, king of hit or miss. That's hit or miss. Very uh, much. Okay. Well, on to Fantastic Beast 3. When is that supposed to be released? To be honest, I don't know. Next year or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's next year. And Johnny Depp got paid. He got paid like $10 million to do his few scenes. They'll reshoot them. And uh, yeah, they'll make it work, though. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Uh, kind of more excited than I was. I was not going to see it, and now I'll probably see it. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen does a good job with being kind of a, a villain-type uh, yeah. role. Does so good in Casino Royale. Low-key, han- very handsome guy yeah. as well. Yeah, Okay, so uh, going on now to quiz questions. I think this is the most fun I've had with a quiz, uh, in my opinion. Our, I've already curated the Two Towers quiz. <laughs> DC is in his bag with all of this Lord of the Rings so stuff. So I'm going to say this what. right now. I can confidently say that uh, Becky and Kamiko have already gotten the quiz for Two Towers. I'll be shocked if someone gets all the answers right for Two Towers. It's it's tough, but to be honest, it's it's doable. It is doable. I think for a lot of you Ring Ray fans, I don't know what you call it. Ring Bearer? What? what? Ring Bearer? <laughs> a lot of you ring bears. Uh, we'll call you that, guys that. Um, you'll probably be able to get it if you really know your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to talk about, I want to kind of, you know, pat myself on the back. I okay, came up with it. two on. words that I feel like are, could be in Tolkien's vocabulary for Lord of the Rings. Uh, with Frodo's plant, um, the plant being used, Ethelus. Ath- uh, I made up the word plaminus. I feel like that could be a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with that. I'm happy with Plaminus? Like plaminus. essentially the word plant, but, but tick off the end. But with <laughs> menace. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then elvish word for friend. Uh, I combined the word cellar door with cellar door. Um, essentially the same thing. But that, apparently Tolkien loves that word. Like that's to him is like one of the most beautiful words in all of English dictionary. What is? English vocab. Cellar door. Like a cellar door. Oh. Cellar door. But kind of combine the two. Really? Yeah. And then I made up the word uh, Huron <laughs> for <laughs> Elvish word for friend. <laughs> and then I will say, I think the isn't hardest. A he, isn't a heron or like a Huron, isn't that like a bird? Uh, let's it's look like a stork looking thing. It might be. I don't know. It might be a word that's already happened before. It might be. Let's see here. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna just Google it very quick. I hope. Yeah, Huron. It's a kind of bird, freshwater and coastal birds in the family. Oh, Ardidae. How about that? Well, I spelled yeah. it with H E A R O N, like here and then on. Oh, this is spelled H E R O N. So very different. Very different. A little bit. The different. only reason I know it's a bird is because there's a brand called Here in Preston, mm. and uh, almost always there's like a picture of like a stork on the on the shirt yeah so there you go uh i think the hardest question in my opinion was the one that you posted i didn't see this coming was uh the song what is the shire what is concerning hobbits oh 
That's because it kind of has that main theme of Lord of the Rings, but it's a little bit different in the Shire song. Yep. So that was a good one. That was a tough one. You have to really listen closely to that one. So, yeah. No, because honestly, wow, how did it, I get it, that It's one? a little bit melancholy. Oh, it's because it's like, I went to Apple dun, Music dun, 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 dun. and I searched Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring and the Shire had like the little like star next to it. And I thought, oh, this is going to throw some people off. That was a good one. I think. That was a good one. So strap up. Get ready for um, the quiz for the two towers. I think there are some good questions. And if someone gets them all right, good for you. And we will do our giveaway at the end of the month. So stay and don't cheat. Because if you get that extended edition and you cheated, the Balrog will visit you. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that that TikTok of um, they're watching Lord of the Rings? And it's right before... um, Basically, Bor- Bor- Boromir says something like, what is this, you know, what does he say? Like, what is this magic or what is this creature or something? Mm. And then the girl turns to his grandma and she says, here comes the Balrog. Mm. It's very funny. I'll send it to you. Maybe we'll just post it. Yeah, send Insta. that to me. I want to give that a look-see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know you'd love it. Okay. We are getting to uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. I feel like this is this is a fun one because I feel like it has – it's. Action-packed, a lot more action-packed. Well, not a lot more, but definitely a bit more than The Fellowship. And it in- introduces um, some new characters. We get Eowyn, we get Theoden, Eomir, and of course, Smeagol, Gollum. And so, yes, kind of like the official introduction. And we're getting um, a lot more storylines. Essentially, we have Merry and Pippin and Treebeard. We have Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas. Then Gandalf, the the white that is essentially joins. Then you have Sam and Frodo. So you have three main storylines during this film, opposed to the Fellowship, when you just essentially had two with Saruman uh, creating his army, um, and then taking Isengard, going to the roots, getting some orcs, and then you had the other storyline with the Fellowship. So get an extra storyline essentially with the two towers. I love the two towers. I know this is uh, considered to be the favorite among a lot of people and also kind of the least favorite. It's hard to say this. there is a least favorite of Lord of the Rings because they just go so well. I feel like the Two Towers is just perfect setup for Return of the King. Uh, what do you think about the Two Towers? Yeah, I, well, I, so we were talking last night and I, re, I like Two Towers a lot, but say, also saying that it is my least favorite of the three, at least so far on rewatch. It, it, I do remember like, almost putting two above three last time I watched them and that was theatrical. So it might change watching extended with return of the King, comparing it to two towers. Um, like you were saying two towers does a lot to set up a lot of different plot lines that are going on. You've got the res- you've got, um, you pick up where Frodo and Sam left off. Mary and Pippin are being carried off by the Urukai. You've got, Gimli, Aragorn, Legolas, hot on their tra- hot on the Orokai's trail, and somehow with all of these plot lines and all of the action that goes on, because there's much more action in Two Towers, I feel like, than Fellowship. Yeah. Um, it feels a little slower than Fellowship, and I think that's because there's kind of one focus story in Fellowship, whereas it bounces around a bit in Two Towers. 
The thing that really surprised me, though, is even with all the bouncing around, the editing is done really well so that it doesn't feel choppy. It still it still feels you get a good little resolution to the mini conflict. Yes. And then you're able to move on to the next one very seamlessly between all of the different going ons of the movie. I I I definitely agree with that. And one of my favorite parts about this whole movie is the comedic relief that Marion and Pippin provide. They are hilarious. In an extended edition, they're they're near a well uh, in Fanghorn Forest, and they're drinking water, and one's growing taller. Pippin's growing taller than Mary, and Mary's like, you've been always pushing 3.6. I'm pushing 3.7. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, uh, you have Mary just, like, sizing up Pippin. And it's yeah, just, with the little hand thing, and we know as kids, you always got to move your hand up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that with Lord of the Rings, especially. There's just a lot of fun comedic relief in serious tense moments and like i had yeah. hats off to the writers hats off to peter jackson like one of my favorite scenes is when uh they go around the back at the gate of helm's deep and gimli's like toss me don't tell the elf i just i think the banter is so fun so no i, I agree 100 with you i feel like the seamless um edits are really good it really concludes each story um i would say just for me personally the thing that it's still an A plus movie, absolute A plus. I love the two towers. I just start to lose just a touch of interest um, when Faramir captures uh, Sam and Frodo. Um, it just mm. I feel like that kind of just drags a touch, but you need you need it because that's in the books. And apparently, in the books, Faramir is not much of a jerk as he is in the movies. Okay, and so and I was talking to Kimiko about this. Um, I love the extended scene that they do with Boromir and Faramir when they're uh, celebrating at, at Osgiliath and Denethor approaches. And you can just see how annoyed Boromir and Faramir are that Denethor, their father, is there. And they're like, can we not have a moment of peace? And I think they should include that in the theatrical release because that shows a great side to Boromir that he's charismatic, that he's loving, that he loves his uh, younger brother Faramir and that there's just a strong divide between uh, Faramir and his father Denethor that he just kind of shoves Faramir off to the side and Boromir is his prized son. So I really like that scene. In my opinion, that is the top five best extended scenes that should have been included and throughout the whole trilogy. I am... that's what I've noticed a lot. I guess so far with the with the extended editions is they delve more into Boromir because if when I remember right with the theatrical editions, Boromir doesn't get a lot of like redeeming moments. He's kind of there to be I, I don't want to say Frodo's foil, but in a way, a little bit just because he's kind of tempted by the ring. Um, he's probably not emotionally or like spiritually strong enough to bear the burden of the ring, even though. It seems like he wants to. It seems like he wants it. But once you get this extended edition scene in Two Towers, um, Boromir ha- is having a talk with – what's his dad's name again? I forget. Denethor. Denethor. And Denethor saying, uh, you need to go to Rivendale. Apparently the ring is back. And he's basically telling Boromir, you need to go there so that you can get the ring and bring it back to make Gon <laughs> – I'm not <laughs> – me. I just walked into this one to um, <laughs> make Gondor prosperous. There we go. I'm hey. not going to say what I was going to say. Um, so, yeah. So And it gives you that perspective that Boromir is part of the fellowship, 
not really of his own accord, but because his dad wants this for like greedy purposes. So that makes his death a little bit more sad in the first movie because it's not like he wanted to be there. He wanted to be able to celebrate with his people. He wanted to be able to celebrate this great victory with him and his brother. But his dad being the <laughs> the this kind of, you know, maybe not the perfectly moral guy that he is, sent his son off on behalf of Gondor. Yeah. I love I love the family dynamic. I love that they make Boromir. Like you said, it adds a little bit more dimension to him as a character. Yep, 100%. Instead of just the dude that tries to take the ring in the first one then dies. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like that is a great scene. So I really want to shed some light and talk about Andy Serkis as Gollum. He, yeah, got to do it. He kills it. I love Smeagol. He might be in my top five favorite characters. I feel like he is so funny. And then when you watch behind the scenes and see how Andy Serkis got into character for Gollum, it's amazing. Like it makes you appreciate Gollum even more. And the CG for Gollum at the time looks really good. There's not a moment where I'm like, this looks pretty bad. This looks really good. And Andy Serkis went all out. So some movie morsels regarding Andy Serkis. He got a call from his agent and about the role for Gollum, and he just was like, ah, it was just going to be just like some voice work. And he's like, ah. And then he looked at the the script, the book, and saw that Gollum is actually a prominent character, and he was excited for it. He did the audition, and right away, Peter Jackson was like, yeah, we almost instantly knew that this was our guy. And he was so impressed, Peter Jackson was, with his energy, his movements, that they just didn't want him for his voice. So they gave him like a suit, and he did a lot of, of obviously the acting, like he would sprawl with the hobbits there at the beginning uh, in the river when he's catching that fish. That river was actually essentially ice. There was snow, it was freezing. And so they had to thaw it. And that is him going in the water, getting that fish. Like Andy Serkis, dedication to this role. I hope he, I hope he gets nominated for an Oscar because his work is so good. I wouldn't be surprised if he got like one of those honorable Oscars, because to be honest, there have been a lot of extremely successful people who have gotten Akira Kurosawa being one, um, arguably the greatest director of all time, never won an Academy Award, uh, but he did get like an honorable one, I think in like the late 90s, early 2000s, he got one. Uh, famously, also Alfred Hitchcock never won a Best Director. One of his movies, Rebecca, did win Best Picture, and I think he got an honorable one as well. So I could see um, Andy Serkis getting one of those honorable Oscars for his work and like motion capture and progressing like the the work of motion capture acting in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. No, I hope he gets one. He should have been nominated at least for this, and then also he should have been nominated for Caesar in War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, so good. So Andy Serkis Serkis just helps Lord of the Rings so much with Gollum being, I think Gollum is such a fun character because he's annoying, he's trustworthy, obviously, but not. He's funny. Mm -hmm. He, he, He captures all the emotions of what Gollum is and does it so well. And so, uh, movie morsel, they had this juice called Gollum juice, and it was honey, lemon, and ginger, and this would help his voice stay smooth because all the strain of him doing glass brushes. And I'm, I do a good Smeagol voice. I was going to ask if you were going to do a Smeagol yeah. voice. That's Tata's precious. 
Love. He'd even do the little cough. Yeah, and so he got the cough actually from his cats that would do uh, that would lick their um, lick themselves for and they'd get full fur balls and they'd cough, and so that's how he got the cough golem. He would get he got it from his own cats and their fur balls. So, but yeah, he would drink this golem juice between takes and it was warm and this would just help soothe his voice. So, hats off to Andy Serkis does such a good job as golem. Like, man. yeah, Gollum, every time he's on the screen, it's very, it, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah. So, and like you said, the, the CG for it doesn't look horrible. No, I, I actually, it, it looks, it looks very good. Yeah. So, As, like the rest of the movies, it's insane how good the special effects still look 20 years later in these movies. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, another thing that I love, I love about this movie is the introduction to Rohan. I love. Rohan. I love the, the theme for the writers of Rohan oh, as well. I think it's my favorite the theme. Dun, 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 with the violin. Oh, it's so good. So, uh, Movie Morsels, many of the writers of Rohan were women. They had uh, beards taped to them, all that makeup. Uh, they wanted to have a lot of their extras of people had their own horses. A lot of these people were women, and they just killed it so there's actually a behind the scenes where they're eating lunch one of the actors is eating lunch and he's like oh these aren't men <laughs> they're women with beards <laughs> so that, I, I, yeah that scene I, that scene where uh, they all come around Gimli Aragorn and uh, Legolas yeah that a majority of those are women that's sweet so I mean the if you if you're wearing a beard it's yeah it's uh probably gonna assume you're 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 a man yep most likely. Yep. Most likely. Uh, another thing. What? Go on. Well, so I want. I wanted to talk a little bit about the the attack with the wargs, on, like as they're trying to make it to Helm's Deep. Isn't that what happens? I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. But you 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 use your point first, and then we'll move on to like the attack with the wargs and the special effects. <laughs> okay. Because I want to talk yeah, about that. Yeah. So um, I want to just talk about how Rohan Edoras was built in roughly eight months, and they had about eight days to shoot on Edoras, and then it was gone. So in the behind the scenes, Peter Jackson was like, yeah, it's a funny business. It took eight months to build that, all that prop set, that town, that village that you have on that rock, and then eight days later, they shoot it, and they tear everything down. So not why? I think that's just wild. And uh, I want to get into another movie more, so then we'll, we'll talk about the warg attack. But when Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas come up onto the camp, because uh, where Merry and Pippin went to the Fangorn Forest, Aragorn, when he kicks the helmet, a lot of people know this. This is a fun movie more. I didn't fi- know about this till just a couple of years ago. When he kicks the helmet, he breaks two of his toes. And oh man! And uh, they did so. They did it in four takes. And Peter told uh, Viggo Mortensen, and he's like, "We're gonna have the camera right here. So try to kick that helmet by the camera." So on the fourth take, uh, Peter was like, that was good. And then he was saying, we can just do one more take because he got better each time. So on the last take, the fifth take, he kicks the helmet and the agonizing scream that he does and he kneels down was actually him breaking both his toes (laughs) in that moment. And he just used that ability, that pain to just transfer over to his acting. And so that shot in the movie is actually Viggo Mortensen breaking two of his toes. I love that. Uh, take a five. My dog is going insane. Oh, good. She. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, many people might have heard a big, like, loud banging and whimpering. My dog was trying to get out oh. as I was recording. And she's smart enough to actually, like, push through the door. So she pushed through the door right as I was getting out. Oh, good for her. Anyways, Aragorn. Very talented, much yeah. like my dog. Yeah. So, and then lastly, when uh, Tudor Jackson was really excited to shoot, shoot the chasing scene at the very beginning of the movie with them running after Merry and Pippin. However, Viggo Mortensen had the two broken toes. Legolas oh. broke his ribs falling off the horse. And Gimli's stunt double, the size double, uh, had dislocated knees. So throughout all these chasing scenes, these guys are pretty injured. And after each rest, they would just be like groaning, um, just really, really distraught. So, uh, yeah. How much did they actually have to run? Because I assume that, you know, Peter Jackson just says, okay, action. Then they run maybe like 50 meters past the camera. Yeah. So the, and then they're good. They had uh, some walkie talkies hidden in some bushes and they were up in a helicopter. And they're like, all right, run. And they go more insane. Like sometimes we would just hear the walkie go, stop run and then they just like keep running so i don't know how far distance i would assume probably a couple miles for some different spots to shoot yeah all okay. together so yeah. overall yeah so there are your um movie morsels regarding that section yeah just fire firing them off you know it. for the sweet movie morsels i mean we promised it we prompt like it, the these takes would be filled with sweet movie morsels i'm interested as to what they will be for the hobbit <laughs> i know <laughs> we'll be here with eric with eric nolan mr uh you know mr wildling one of one of the one of our favorites one of our one of the sweetest guys that we know um we'll probably just be crap talking the three movies for the whole time oh. but I'm sure we'll think of some. Um, now, I, I talked about, I wanted to talk a little bit about the wargs because I the warg attack scene is one of my favorites because, I don't know, it. the wargs are just these gross, ginormous wolves. You've got the little orc scouts that are on top of them. It feels like a really awesome fight scene. And a sweet movie morsel is... It was actually supposed to take place at night, and this actually increased my imp my appreciation for the warg attack. Um, and then after working on the Edoras set during the day, Peter Jackson decided that it was too windy and too cold to bring cast and crew back for a night scene. So the scene was rewritten to happen during the day. Now, wh why this is important is because generally with special effects, especially if you're pushing the boundaries of special effects, it's much easier to hide maybe specific flaws or unfinished aspects of the VFX if you're filming at night. So a lot of the, I think I mentioned this on the last take, but the Balrog or the like big octopus squid in the lake outside of the Mines of Moria, they look really great because a lot of the dark aspects is probably able to hide a lot of the unfinished work. But mm. because they're shooting in the day, these wargs, they've got to be fully rendered, fully finished, and look about as impeccable as possible. And to be honest, they look really, really great. And even the action scenes where you know someone isn't on top of a warg, but they're writing something, it, it, it looks very convincing. And it's extremely well done. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point with the uh, the dark and the day um, inside there. So that's a that's a pretty it's a pretty quick scene too. There's a lot going on. I feel like they did a good job of that battle sequence. Yeah, and something that I noticed too is you know right as 
um, Aragorn is attached to that one warg and he's dragging him off the cliff. I was watching pretty intently to see, okay, is it going to look like balloon person that falls off the edge or is it going to seem and appear like it's an actual person going off the edge? And it looks really convincing that it's an actual person being dragged by the warg off the edge of the cliff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts about that scene is the sound mixing. When the warg and Aragorn fall off the cliff, you can hear just an echo of the warg um, just yelping. And it sounds so, so good. So hats off to the crew at that moment because you can just hear the warg go, and it just falls down and echoes. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome point. So yeah, so good. Um, and then, well, you know, oh, I like this one. So um, the orcs are supposed to have black blood, and it was only natural that the inside of their mouth should not be pink, but black as well. And so to achieve this, the orc actors had to swill. A, uh, okay, a licorice-based <laughs> mouthwash prior to each of their scenes. Um, disgusting. That's gross. I, I mean, I. If it's black licorice, assuming it's black licorice, absolutely disgusting. No, thanks. Yeah, no. Is there a worse flavored, quote unquote, sweet than black licorice? No, I I don't like, I don't even really like licorice that much. I can do like one or two Twizzlers a year and then I'm like, all right, I'm fine. Thanks. Yeah, I'll do like a few red vines. I'm a big red vine guy when I need to. Okay. You bite off each end and use it as a straw. straw. Oh, that is just a sugar rush. I like the peely Twizzlers. Those are actually oh, really those fun. ones I do like. I actually like yeah. those. Those ones were nice. But that's fun. You're kind of having fun with your candy. It's not just a candy. You know, yeah. it's a little bit of an activity there too. But man, the prosthetics for the orcs in all three films are so good. They're so believable. Like talk about a Halloween costume. Oh, if I saw that imagine? walking around or at a party, I'd be like, dang. We might have to get a little creative next year with our Halloween costumes. Oh, I can't wait to do it. Will it just be Lord of the Rings themed every year? It might be. One, I'd really just want to be, I want to be Gandalf. I want to be you. You, me, Becky, and Kennedy? Yes. Uh, Hobbits, maybe? 100%. You Gandalf? 100%. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> my, my little dog can be a Hobbit and you can be, you can be Gandalf. Yeah, or, she, or it could be Spiegel. No, it's too cute for Spiegel. Yeah, too cute. Yeah. Um, little one. So talking about kind of the orcs, um, one little movie morsel that I, that I really like is when Grima Warntug sees Saruman's army of 10,000, he is so shocked that a tear falls from one of his eyes. However, Brad Dorif, is that how you pronounce his name? Yep. Um, can do that at will. And he can do tears running from eyes, so the um, filmmakers decided just to keep that in the scene. So I thought that was really cool, just being like, he's just shook. That was an epic, pretty epic scene. Um, another another movie more so regarding orcs is Andy Serkis did uh, the voices for the three orcs arguing uh, with each other at the Fangorn Forest, the camp scene there. Oh, I love what I love when the orcs are like we haven't had nothing for three days but maggoty bread. Maggoty and then that orc comes in. What about them? They're <laughs> fresh. Yeah, that's just him. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, he's so good, king, man. King also- of voice. Also, to be honest, um, Brad Dorf, the guy that plays Grimma Wormtongue, he's kind of like the evil aide of, uh, what is it, the King of Gondor? Is that who it is? Uh, Saruman. Yeah, I'm so sorry, everyone. I, sh- I don't remember everyone's names and stuff. I try my best. Uh, You're doing great. He is the voice of Chucky from Child's Play and is kind of the sole reason why there's been like five or six different sequels. Huh, dang. Yeah. it's awesome. He does a really great job. He does a great job with the voices as well. Yeah. Chucky. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so on it. to kind of the Helm's Deep section as we wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, got to talk about just Helm's, Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep is only. so cool. So there were so many extras used in this sequence at Helm's Deep. The filming went on for essentially ton of months, so many months, that almost all the extras and principal actors got t-shirts. Four months, to be exact. Four months. Hey, yo. Um, oh, yeah, there it is. They got uh, t-shirts that said, I survived Helm's Deep. Uh, there were so many of these shirts that extras would often meet each other in the New, New Zealand, the main cities, and they would just recognize each other from the shirts. So I kind of want to get one because... I survived Helm's Deep by watching it so many times. I love it. I can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> You've watched it the amount of times of four months. months. Yeah, the siege That's battle. It is so it. good. Yeah, and and to be honest, I, I believe it it set the record for longest night shoots until Game of Thrones. Yeah, and the battle for Winterfell, Winterfell which um. You know, say what you want to say about how Battle of Winterfell it seems really dark. It doesn't seem well lit. Um, they did their best. It's like five months of night shoots. Like, you know what? Kind of give them a break. Kind of give them a break. But at the same time, if Helm's Deep did it 20 years before, there should be no Sheesh. reason they can't. Yeah. That's, what, that's the thing I feel like with Helm's Deep. The color palettes, the lighting looks so good. Oh, the rain, it's crisp. It, it looks great. It almost looks like there was just like three big full moons at the time of Elm's Deep. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so it good. It does. And I love how Gimli, he's up like near the, you know, he's near the, the wall. He's like, I can't see anything. Trying to hop. Oh, man. <laughs> Which would probably my, be me The first well. time I watched that film, the, my anxiety was through the roof when – uh, the guy is running with the torch to light the bomb. Oh my god! I was like, Legolas, get him, Legolas, get him. And then he just takes that jump. I'm like, oh my. And that miniature set blowing up looks so good. It, I think they built what? I think they built three or four different versions of Helm's Deep depending on what, you know, if they needed like a miniature scale or if they needed like a true to scale or if they needed like an eighth size scale. They built a bunch of different versions so that they could get totally different shots and most of them were only used once essentially to be destroyed that's actually how one of them was purely made to basically be destroyed it's amazing yeah yeah i'm pretty sure this the one that blows up and you get like the shards of the rocks hitting the urukai is one that they built basically to be destroyed it's so good yeah that scene is sweet and mm -hmm. yeah helm's deep so good two towers amazing and, I was, yeah, I was talking to Kamika about uh, Kicks about this last night. I, the, the setup for Return of the King that Two Towers does, you get that closure, and they just look off to the sunset, and they're like, the battle for Mortal Earth is about to begin. And another thing I love about this movie is the end when Sam tells Frodo, by rights we shouldn't be here. Sam's speech at the end of Two Towers is so good. Because you, you really do get oh. that, like, you get that... Uh, that kind of high point slash low point you're supposed to get like right at the middle of a film. And in this case, you know, of a trilogy where Frodo just wants to give the ring up. I mean, he's done with it. And Sam really is kind of that, that main influence that drives him forward. You know, in the beginning of the movie, Frodo says, nothing dampens your spirits or something like that to Sam, even though five minutes before he's complaining about like being too cold or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. But, um, it really is true. It's great to see, you know, without Sam, I mean, that journey is over. What? It's basically over almost before they even leave the Shire. Yep. Yep. 
unsung hero. Yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah, his speech is so touching. There's some good worth fighting for, Mr. Frodo. Oh, and there is. How true is that? And there's some good worth potting for, too. Oh, possible title. Possible title. Possible title, working title. Anything else, Keeks, about Two Towers? No, I, I just... All of these movies, we've already established that these are all perfect movies in and of themselves. We'll, I, I firmly believe this. I don't think we'll ever see anything like Lord of the Rings ever again. A trilogy of perfect movies. Mm-hmm. Besides John Wick, I guess. But they're making a fourth <laughs> one, so it doesn't count. Um, and it's it's really amazing. And it does kind of show, you know, we talk about The Hobbit. It's like a little bit of a foreshadowing for The Hobbit. These movies took so much work that I'm sure Peter Jackson was like, I do not want to do this again. Sure. I, I, I mean, could you imagine uh, like all the meticulous planning that was needed for these movies and, and 15 years, how the technology had changed? I mean, I'm taking advantage of that as well, man. It's so much. Yeah, yeah. So much hard work was put into these movies that I don't think we'll ever see be put into anything ever again. Yeah. Practicality, um, set design, insane, absolutely insane. The writing, the just the ability yeah. to plan. I mean, they, they started August 1997 film production, and they didn't start shooting and filming in 1999. And they even did some reshoots um, between, I believe, Two Towers and Return of the King. They did actually. So when Return of the King won Best Picture, Peter Jackson was still in New Zealand filming stuff for the extended edition of Return of the King. And he said that he wanted to do that because he wanted to still be filming for the movie that won Best Picture for the previous year. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was just like stupid little stuff, but he wanted to do it so he could make that claim. Yeah. Um, Two Towers, even for me, is the weakest. It's it's not by much that it's the weakest. Yeah. yeah I'm the same way. I, I really go back and forth between Fellowship and Return of the King, of which one's my favorite. And I'm excited mm-hmm. for another rewatch for Return of the King. It's been it's been 11 months too long. <laughs> and I, I will, and for me it's been a couple years I will, and I've never seen the extended edition oh, so this is the first time I'm seeing I, them I will say this extended edition I've, the runtime for Return of the King is 4 hours and 20 minutes so maybe break that up in 2 days however I feel like out of the 3 movies the best one that does well with extended edition is Return of the King there's just more closure there's more storyline and uh, yeah we'll get into that for next take. Is Two Towers the one that people are like, if you're going to watch one extended, watch this one? Or is it the other way around? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I think the one that you should watch that is extended is Return of the King, in my opinion. Okay. That's, that's my opinion. I feel like it has some really, really good scenes in there. I feel like Fellowship, I don't notice what is and what isn't part of extended. Yeah. I would say that's probably so, the least one for the extended edition. Mm-hmm. I'd say the best ones extended is Return of the King, Two Towers, and then Fellowship. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. So um, remember, everyone, we're trying to get to fifty five star reviews. We need two we're more. We're trying to just get to fifty reviews. We need two more on Apple Podcasts. What? Two more. Two more reviews. Two more. Yeah. Two more. So just two of you go tell your mom or your cousin or your brother or something to just find search Sweet Film Talk. Tap the five stars, and we're good to go. You're locked in. We'll get them. Lo- get us locked in to give away. Three extended edition HD digital copies of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We're giving it away, baby. It's free. You lose nothing. Yeah. Can't beat that. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's it for Two Towers. And we're on to Return of the King next week. Yeah, we got a frick. There's so much to talk about in Return of the King. Oh, it's going to be a blast. We'll give you guys five different endings yeah. just to celebrate <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we Return of the King. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Keeks, as always, stay sweet. Sweet!